911, where's your emergency? It's November 2016, and Reba Williams is trapped in an elevator as wildfire burns the resort around her to the ground. How many people are in the elevator, ma'am? Two, two. Two people in the elevator. Her husband, Joe, lays next to her. We're getting help on the way as fast as I can get there, okay? The elevator's stuck in between floors. She has no idea which ones. The power went out hours ago, and she's calling for help from her cell phone. Minutes tick by, and now Ember and Spark is making its way in through the elevator's cracks. Some of it falls on her clothes. It's in her hair. Ma'am, they're getting up there as fast as they can, okay? And there's a dispatcher. He's on the other line, and he's instructing them on how to stay alive. Any clothing that you can get, put it over your face. Put your jacket over your face. Okay. At this point, it's four in the morning, and the Williamses have been trapped like that for eight hours. You have been in the elevator since 8 p.m.? Yes. Okay. The building starts to collapse around them. There's stuff falling all around us. We can hear it. By night's end, 14 people would be killed in the flames around Gatlinburg. Reba, are you still there? Reba, are you still there? Do you, ma'am, are you still there? Reba? Fire rained down from the hillside beside the motel like a bunch of embers falling from the sky, huge, look like lava. Every minute and second counts for people fleeing for their lives. From WBIR Channel 10 in Knoxville, a series of stories where we look back at the tragedy of the Gatlinburg wildfires. What was lost? What went wrong? And how we've rebuilt since the flames. I'm Robin Wilhoit. And I'm Madison Stacy. This is Inferno, the Gatlinburg disaster. For the past two months, much of our time has been consumed, reliving the horror of one Monday night in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We're looking for answers about a fire that burned there three years ago. Beneath the ashes are clues about why the damage was so vast plus stories of survival. This is the story of how East Tennessee tried to tame a wildland, and it begins. In 2016. 911, where's your emergency? We are trapped on the mountain, it's on fire, and there's a tree that's falling over lines, and that's our only way out.
Over the course of a few days, a small blaze that started on one of the park's most popular peaks soon grew. The smoke just settling down, you know, along the ground there, just a really incredible view. This is the largest, most severe wildfire in 100 years in that state of Tennessee. In many parts of this region, people are still working to build up from the ash. We will do every effort to help bring closure to those who have lost so much. Wednesday afternoon, the beginning of that closure came with word that two juveniles are now in custody. They are charged with aggravated arson, accused of starting the Chimney Tops fire. And how could you say that this disaster changed our lives for the better? And why would you say that? Because I think it did. Well, nothing is better for me. Well, in fact, I lost everything. Ms. Bramer, I'm not going to sit here and have you. Did you hear? I said I lost that. everything. We live in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's a city about an hour's drive from the Great Smoky Mountains. If you can get past the RVs and the loaded up minivans, all streaming down 441 during peak tourist season. Reba Williams, the woman who was trapped in the elevator in Gatlinburg that Monday night, grew up as one of those tourists. She's been coming to the mountains with friends and family her whole life. Watched it grow over the years and just enjoy coming up uh, in the spring and in the fall. And so yeah, it's just a good, good getaway. But the real pool of Gatlinburg for Reba. My two favorite things are the mountains and the beach. It's a stone's throw away from America's most popular national park. I'll have Madison explain it. Some of the first people here, the Cherokee, called it Shikanahay, the place of the blue smoke. They lived here for thousands of years, making home out of the mountain's craggly blue peaks. Later, the settlers who drove them out, and violently, I might add, the Trail of Tears weaves near this part of Tennessee, too, also settled on much the same name. The Smokies. And I used to pretend like I was flying out of the holler, flying to different parts of the world to see what was out there beyond the holler. And of course, I finally was able to spread my wings and explore the whole world, and no matter where I go, always take my family and the Smoky Mountains with me. How is it the Great Smoky Mountains can nestle so near the hearts of so many people? Is it different than any other stretch of Appalachian Ridge tops? Probably not, but there is a spirit that inhabits this landscape. So you get it. From the Smokies' ancient wild, Gatlinburg offers a modern reprieve. Over time, this little mountain getaway turned into the gateway for the Great Smoky Mountains. I just always enjoy going out in the National Park and just uh, just the beauty of that. Uh, driving over to Cades Cove, that's always fun. So. Reba's a retired math teacher from Birmingham, Alabama. She travels often, mostly with friends or her husband. And on her Facebook page, there's a photo of someone scuba diving in one of those tropical coral reefs. Travel, the photo reads at the top, 
as much as you can, as far as you can, as long as you can. Life's not meant to be lived in one place. Reba lives by that, and she's a good traveler, and she graciously lets me bug her outside her most recent vacation spot. It's a hideaway she prefers to pretty much anywhere else in the world. And sorry, there's some construction at this resort. They're expanding. So apologies in advance for the noise in the background. Yeah, that's why I like to go up in, in the mountains and in the, in the park and just, uh, you know, go on the small, small roads and just enjoy. Uh, and the different seasons are all different. So Reba and Joe, again, that's her husband of over 50 years, they check in a week before the fires thinking they know what to expect. The Christmas lights would be up the mountain. They'd eat at one of their favorite breakfast places. On one of the first days of their vacation in 2016, they head out to a little town called Cosby. There's an apple orchard up there where they like to eat. But when we got up to Cosby, we noticed how clear it was there. And looking back into Gatlinburg area, you could see the smoke and the haze over the whole area. That certainly wasn't routine, nor was the uneasiness of the staff at Westgate who were keeping a keen eye on the smoke and ash falling from the sky. It had been there for weeks. Several fires had broken out across East Tennessee that year, in fact. It was under a severe drought. Dolly Parton herself went so far as to team up with Smokey to spread the word. Hi, this is Dolly Parton with Smokey. Now, we had a beautiful fall this year in the Smoky Mountains, but this extended drought has resulted in high wildfire danger. As dry as it is, please help firefighters avoid wildfires. The wildfire that devastated Gatlinburg actually began five days earlier on chimney tops. That's an isolated but not unknown area of the Smokies. One of the park's most popular trails is close by there. Here's Cassie Nall. She's a meteorologist here at WBIR. 2016 was one of the hottest years on record for East Tennessee. The only month that was below average was actually January. Um, other than that, the reason I talk about the heat is because that aids in the evaporation process, it dries the ground out faster. So when you have a long stretch of hot weather, it creates drier conditions, unless you're getting regular rainfall to keep up with that, which we did not. And there's someone else here who knows firsthand how fire travels through the Smokies. His name's John Becker, and he's a news anchor at WBIR, and he's covered the region for years. Out west, I covered lots of wildfires. I covered a wildfire that was 500,000 acres, which is the size of the Great Smoky Mountains. It was the Biscuit Burn in southern Oregon. Massive fire, and a lot of times the fires out there were big, explosive fires in summer, in dry conditions where they would hop from treetop to treetop to treetop at a just a fast rate. I think I, when I emailed you, I said they sometimes move faster than a galloping horse. It's crazy to see, especially at night. And keep in mind too, firefighters are also working with a smaller than normal staff. Again, it's Thanksgiving break. So over much of the weekend, it's really just a team of six guys who are working to contain this fire. And the steep ridges and peaks of this area are making it pretty unreachable. What I couldn't wrap my head around is I've seen fires move fast, but that fire was going to have to move a long way to get from where it was in the Smokies all the way to Gatlinburg. We've never seen anything like it and just like could not fathom that hurricane force winds were going to come through the mountains and take the flames into Gatlinburg. wind picks up the afternoon of the 28th, people start calling Sevier County Dispatch. 
These 911 calls are pretty casual at first. There's no cries for help, no panic. They're just wanting some guidance. Like, hey, is this a normal thing? Do I evacuate my whole family or? 911, where's your emergency? Uh, yes, sir. I live at 621 Cherokee Orchard Road. Yes, sir. And I'm handicapped in a wheelchair. And if they want people to evacuate, somebody's going to have to come and get me. Okay. Now, as of right now, they're not, you know, forcing anybody to evacuate. They're just, you know, if you feel like you need to, they, you know, they're saying go to the community center, but they're not evacuating everybody yet. Well, do, do, you want, do you want somebody to come check on you? Yeah, I would appreciate okay, it because I got smoke, What's your name? smoke in my room. What's your name, By 4 p.m. that day, even seasoned weather experts aren't super distressed. Dispatchers call a guy named Anthony Cavallucci. He's at the National Weather Service. In a matter of minutes, everything will go to hell on the mountainside. for calling the National Weather Service. Weather Service Morristown, this is Anthony. Oh, hello, Anthony. Oh, boy, my <laughs> favorite dispatcher. It's that time again. <laughs> yes, yes, I was just uh, giving my briefing calling um, that you would be calling every uh, so often. Oh, well, it's like perfect timing. It was pretty good, I'll say. Um, and I did text uh, John and told him you were calling. I told him we were here for him. And I said, you're doing a great job. She said, he says, you're the best. Oh, so, thanks. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there hasn't been any major changes um, to the forecast. Okay. Um, so still looking at the lower elevation winds of 20 to 30. Do you have any kind of idea what it's doing in Gallenberg right now? Well, there's a whole lot of smoke. Oh, yeah, smoke and, and ash. Um, apparently it's like, it's just, it's moving. The fire department and the forestry are up cutting a line right now by Park Vista. I don't know if you're familiar with Gallenberg, but Park Vista is the big circular hotel um, up on the hill. And it's, they're cutting a line there so it doesn't jump into the residential area right behind them. Wow, okay. Yeah. So the fire is pretty close then to Gatlinburg. Oh, the fire, yes, it is. Okay, okay. Here I thought this was a fire that was in the chimney somewhere. Oh, no, 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 no. Four minutes after dispatch makes that call to Cavallucci, another woman calls into dispatch. Her name's Evelyn Lewis. She's not a tourist. She lives in Minot Park, and it's one of the first areas threatened by fire that day. Now one one, where's your emergency? Uh well, I live in Minot Park. Do you think I'm all right up here? Well, ma'am, they've not started evacuating people. I believe that they've said if you feel like you know, you need to you can. But they I can't. I'm by myself. Can y'all come get me? Do you want okay, so you want somebody to come get you? Yeah, because now, I can't get my daughter and yeah. Okay, well you know, just to let you know it, it's not threatening your house at this time, uh, you know, they're, you're not under threat, they're just saying if you feel comfortable, more comfortable. At I, I'll feel more safely somewhere else. I would just stay in my house. If you're wanting my advice, what we're telling everybody is to stay inside, and if it if it's a threat to you, they'll, they'll come around and tell you. They'll knock on your door and tell you. 
They will. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they won't let anything. They won't let anything happen to you or your house. Bless your heart. Yeah. So the best well, thing to do. <laughs> and what is your name? Uh, my name's Michael, sir. Ma'am. Michael. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, Miss Lewis. An hour after Evelyn makes that call, a brush fire that had been pushed by 80 mile per hour winds is reported inside the city limits. And around that time, 6 p.m., we, WBIR Channel 10, go on air. Growing wildfires in the Smokies are billowing smoke and ash into Gatlinburg and other cities. And now a handful of homeowners are choosing to evacuate. And 80 firefighters are on their way to help out here in Gatlinburg. Again, very gusty winds. We actually did have a reporter on scene that day. Her name's Leslie Ackerson, and she arrived in Gatlinburg at 5 p.m., but had trouble just getting a signal to communicate with the newsroom back in Knoxville. The wind was so powerful earlier, just making the lights flicker. It was knocking out some of the, um, the stoplights on some of the main roads in Gatlinburg. That was causing the trees to fall down and knock out more power lines, um, and the embers starting to kind of get in the air from that wind, causing more fires. So news of the spreading fire and these increased evacuations are taking longer to show up on television. But the severity of the situation is starting to trickle in through social media. Remember the hotel that Sevier County dispatcher mentioned, Anthony Cavallucci? That's the Park Vista Hotel. Videos of the fire threatening the people inside are some of the first indicators of what was actually happening on the mountain. Dozens of people are trapped there. The only road to get down from the hotel is blocked. Trees have fallen over roadways. Firefighters can't even get through. So the people inside are cautioned to just wait inside this smoky building while the fire, and I'm not exaggerating here, rages like absolute hell outside because it wasn't safe to evacuate. Yeah, there was firefighters here, and they said that the fire was a few miles away, it was like two or three miles away, and that if there was any real danger, they would evacuate us. Here's Logan so Baker. He's talking to John Becker and Beth Haynes, another anchor here at WBIR. Uh, because we're seeing on our, our screen now some pictures um, that another viewer sent in to us where it looks like flames are just right outside the windows. Mm -hmm. Yes, right after they told us that there wasn't, uh, the fire wasn't going to come up to our way, as soon as you opened the doors, it was like it just flung you back and the embers and ash just started flying in the hotel. It was horrible. By the end of our conversation with Logan, firefighters do make progress against the flames threatening Park Vista. But that's not necessarily the case elsewhere in the city. Now, are you guys still in the lobby at this point? Yes, we're still in the lobby. But I think they're told they're, we're allowed to go back to our rooms now. So... Have they been able to contain the, the fires just outside the hotel? Yes. Um, the fires, there are only small little fires here and there around the hotel now. But um, from the hotel's restaurant, we have a view of uh, downtown Gatlinburg mm -hmm. on Main Street. And um, around where the aquarium is on Main Street, it's just engulfed in flames.
8 p.m. now. People are calling dispatch in distress from across Gallenberg. Yes, this is 911. How can I help you? Ma'am, my house just burnt down on Raccoon Ridge Road. Do you know of any Red Cross shelters or anything? What do I do now? Are you, ma'am, are you there? Dispatch is handling multiple emergencies per minute. Hello? Hello? Just as quickly as we can. I can't say exactly well, they, how long it's going to be. But well, they need to hurry because we they need to hurry because we're going to be this, burning up. I, I understand what you're saying. This fire is all over the area, though. Hello, nine one one. Yes, uh, I don't know what to do. There's three families stuck here at Parkview Inn at the motel. We have nowhere to go, and no, we ain't got no car or no nothing, and the fire is so bad, I can see it right across the street from us. As fire eats away into the final hours of Monday night, these calls for help turn really desperate. And just a warning here, these calls are very hard to hear. 911, where's your emergency? Okay. 
If you start seeing any emergency vehicles, flash your lights, honk your horn. Honk your horn and flash your lights. And let emergency services know that you're in that area. Just keep honking the horn and flashing the lights and do what you need to do, okay? We have multiple fires up in that area. Ma'am, they're doing the best they can. There's only so many people that can come up to the mountain. We have multiple fire departments coming up there for multiple fires, okay? You need to get away from the fire if you can. If you need to turn around and go back up, whatever you need to do. Okay. You need to, whatever you need to do, ma'am. Okay. We're updating the fire department, ma'am. That's all we can do. Okay. Winfield Heights Road. Ma'am, we're updating the fire department, okay? That's all we can do right now, okay? We're receiving multiple calls from everyone in this county, okay? I'm going to have to let you go and answer other calls. Help is on the way. Ma'am, help is on the way, okay? What's your name? My name is Brooke. The fires are so close. The cinders are blowing onto our house now. Okay, ma'am. I'm notifying them right now. We're trying the best we can to get somebody up there, okay? Okay, just try to try to remain calm. We have been for hours. I know. We're doing the best we possibly can, okay? Yes. But because TEMA, that's the Tennessee Emergency Management Agency, never sent out a mass evacuation notice, some people are also calling dispatch, unbelievably, just to report the fire. 
there's multiple situations in this county going on right now. They're trying to cut trees. They're trying to put out fires. We have buildings on fire. We have a mass evacuation of the county right now. Heavy smoke in the area. A lot of wrecks. They're doing the best they can, okay? People also aren't sure if there's a mandatory evacuation. In some cases, dispatch is acting as a guide, a helpline of sorts for people who have no idea what to do. Many of them didn't even know the fire was getting out of hand. Ma'am, what? Why can you not get down? Because everything's blocked. The fire. Okay, I'll let the fire department know. Well, they've been trying to come up here forever. Well, ma'am, we have a we have plenty. Of, we have a lot of fires. Okay. I know. Okay, they're doing the best that they can. We don't want to die. Well, nobody does, ma'am. And guess who else didn't get the memo about the fires? I'm at Westgate Resort. Reba. I called earlier to say we were trapped in an elevator in the 4000 building. Uh, I didn't know if you got the message or not. That evening, around 8 o'clock, someone who works for Westgate knocks on the door of the Williams's 4,000-block suite and says they need to gather their things, it's time to evacuate. A fire isn't mentioned. Uh, everybody says, why did you get in the elevator with, with fire? Well, first of all, we didn't know it was an emergency. Guy knocked on our door and said, mandatory evacuation, put together a few things and go down, and he gave us instructions. Well, we both have bad knees, and so we just got on the elevator, not thinking, and uh, it went down half a floor, and the power went out. Central to Command Bivaz, the, they are reporting the path out of Westgate has been blocked at this time up near the Infinity Pool in the Putt-Putt area, 4,000 buildings. They need somebody to come up and remove the tree from the roadway so people can evacuate. About half an hour after dispatch makes that call that the road to Westgate is totally blocked by fire with the Williamses trapped in an elevator inside, Reba calls again. She's still calm. We've been here for almost three hours. Yes, ma'am, we understand. Uh, okay, I just... Okay. Dispatch also doesn't mention a fire. I just thought, oh, the elevator stopped. We were on the fourth floor. They wait under the glow of an emergency light for hours. But then as the night wore on and I would call, I thought, well, those signs are probably gone. You know, if somebody's not familiar with the property, they will not even know how, how to find us. Uh, so um, anyway, we just kind of sat to wait through the night. And then they see another glow. thinking that maybe that was somebody with a um, blowtorch who had come to get us out. But we didn't hear voices. We, all we heard was bumping. And then my husband, who's an engineer, says, we're trapped in this steel box. We're not going to make it out. Now, one one where's your emergency? The, the elevator's on fire. We're burning. Where are you, ma'am? Where are you, ma'am? Uh, Westgate Resort, building 4,000. Building 4,000? Is it just smoke? 
No, I see embers on the outside. There's smoke in the elevator. Okay. Get as low as you possibly can. Put the clothing over your face. Help. Okay, we're Help. getting the fire department on the way up there as fast as I can get there, ma'am, okay? We're praying. We're going. Of course, by that time, there was lots of smoke. Um, I was praying, Lord, let us die from the smoke and not from the fire because there were already embers falling on my, on my legs, burned in the pants. It's really hot. Yes, ma'am, I understand. It's really hot. I understand. They're coming as fast as they can. My mother at the time was 97. We had quit telling her when we traveled because she worried about us. And I just, I, I did not want to die before she did. I just knew that would devastate her. So one of my prayers was, Lord, don't let me die before my mother. There's stuff falling all around us. We can hear it. Okay. We're letting them know that a bunch of people's coming up there to you, okay? Um, I put in the notes that I notified 2203 regarding the Westgate Resorts elevator, building 4,000. They'll put your uh, jacket over your face. It'll help you breathe better. Yeah, he needs to put any clothing that he can over his face. Okay? Put your jacket over your face. Yep. He needs to cover up his mouth and his nose. Okay? And try to control your breathing as much as you possibly can. Okay. Okay? And just stay as okay. low on the floor as possibly can, okay? Uh-huh. I love you too, Joe. We said our goodbyes to each other and said, see you in heaven. We just, we knew that was the end. Yeah, call Jody. Call Jody. Be right there. Finally, I, I just put the phone down and said, we're gone. I'm putting the phone down. And uh, I passed out. Uh, I saw Jesus in the white light, you know, the white tunnel. And uh, everybody says, what did he look like? And I said, well, he was kind of in a shadow. And my thought was, he's not holding his hands out. Maybe he's not ready for me yet. And about that time, I heard somebody say, ma'am, you've got to stand up so we can get you out. And I think it was then that I reached out to grab the bar to pull myself up, and I burned my hand pretty severely. But then I passed out again. The next thing I remember, somebody had me under 
the arms dragging me. I looked down and saw my shoes come off. And then the next thing I remember, I was in the ambulance. When those same firefighters go back the next day, the elevator shaft where Reba and Joe Williams spent most of their night is the only part of the building that's still standing. We were in separate recovery rooms. So he, we kept asking about each other and finally they, they put us in the same room that we could see each other and know we were, we were okay. So. In the years following the fire, Reva and Joe have traveled around the world to New Zealand, Australia. Hey girlfriend, how are you? <laughs> come sit down and come sit down and be famous with me. Oh Lord. <laughs> and most consistently, back to Gatlinburg. Good to see you. It's always oh, good to see you. You too, yeah. You doing all right? Oh, I'm good. You got your girlfriends with you? Yeah, yeah. Are y'all behaving yourself? Wait, not no, at all. No, not at all. I'm not talking to Reba today from a hotel outside some far-flung city. We're having this conversation about the time she almost died alongside her husband in an elevator, not even a mile from where it happened three years ago. Yeah, we, we need to get security to watch these, <laughs> these girls. We're having this conversation in a small garden patio inside the Westgate Smoky Mountain Resort. This is, this is the one that had charge of us when all was, this happened. I, I toured them that morning. That's Reba talking to Lynn. She's a concierge who still works at Westgate Resort and who was actually tasked with locating the Williamses that Monday night. Tell <laughs> you, you live in the light. I am quite. You she see came out of that, that uh, elevator and she's like, mm -hmm. uh, Well, I know. I said, I can see old age and bad health in my rearview mirror. Right, might you know, as well enjoy you it. You got a year or 20, you just, right. you just never know. And those banging noises you've been hearing? That's what Westgate Smoky Mountain Resort has sounded like almost every day for the past three years. Oh, I don't have to. I just, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's something I look forward to every year. I get my, in January, I get my calendar and say, now when am I going to Gallenberg? So. While it's rebuilding, the resort isn't the same since the wildfire. Neither is Reba. Well, I went to my doctor just for a checkup when I got home. And um, she, she said, have you talked to anybody, like a counselor? I said, no. And she said, she said, you don't just stare death in the face and come out unscathed. And uh, that is so true because um, now um, a lot of things, things don't matter. Um, you know, it's people and relationships that count. 
my sister often says, uh, why don't you talk about politics? And I said, I just hate to hear people arguing so about parties. Uh, and I wish uh, uh, they would focus more on people, um, religion, um, uh, my faith uh, has gotten me through this, but it's it's your faith and your uh, your spirituality. It's not religion, uh, denominations that are important. It's it's your direct connection with um, God and. Uh, your relationship to him and, and other people. Among the thousands of 911 calls made to dispatch that day, Reba and Joe Williams' story stands out, not just because of the dire implausibility that they would ever make it out of that elevator alive, but because they were actually rescued by firefighters who didn't give up and fought through thickets and pockets of flames to rescue them. That Monday, there were thousands more people on the mountain for whom that long-awaited rescue came too late. I was so thankful that we would pass out. Or not at all. Next time on Inferno. Inferno is a podcast from WBIR Channel 10, a Techna company, hosted by Robin Wilhoyt and Madison Stacy. This episode was written and edited by Madison Stacy, executive producers Allison Duff, Tanya Burke, Madison Stacy, Lauren Hoare, and Jeremy Campbell. Associate producers Katie Palippo and Daniel Bignot. Additional editing by Brian Holt. Original reporting contributed by John Becker, Beth Haynes, Cassie Nall, Jim Matheny, Leslie Ackerson, Rashad Hartnett, Madison Wade, Mark Salinger, and Becca Hobbiger. Hey, Inferno listeners, it's Madison. Thanks for sticking with us this far. In order to put this episode together, we had to feature very personal recordings from people on one of the worst nights of their life. In order to tell the widest variety of stories possible, we had to trim some of these calls down quite a bit to fit it all in one story. So many of the calls aren't played in their totality, and that includes Reba Williams, who you got to know throughout this episode. But there's much more to hear from each person, and every person's story matters. If you want to hear the full recordings of these calls and conversations, we've made all of those available on the Inferno page on WBIR.com. Thanks for listening to Inferno.